You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Warrior Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. We got ourselves some Auburn Tiger football. We beat Kentucky. We beat them by 16 points. Wasn't the prettiest, but it also wasn't the ugliest either, especially the second half. I feel like we, we put ourselves in a spot to win, especially in that second half. Jared, how do you feel now that we've got one game done? Feel pretty good, AJ. I mean, I, you know, I, you always hope for more as the game was going on, though. I was saying, hey, let, I'll take a one point victory. <laughs> I mean, at this point, crazy offseason. There is no preseason in college football. We're playing a legit SEC opponent. Absolutely. Let's just get out of here with a win. And lo and behold, we beat the spread and got out of there with a 16 point win. So I'm okay with it, man. Right. I mean, considering uh, it just reminds me of we could be like Texas A&M and Vandy where Texas A&M only Oof. beat Vandy by five points. Texas A&M. Come on. Really? Um, I got that. Uh, have they already given Kellamon the Heisman? I'm sorry. I'm, start, <laughs> I'm starting early. I apologize, folks. Not yet. And Okay. Right. <laughs> I don't think he gets will. that preseason Heisman every year, so I, I, I can't keep up. I mean, maybe he comes back next year, I guess, if he wants, and maybe has another shot at it. and yet again will probably fail but that's neither here nor there um i thought it was really neat and if you watched on tv you probably saw this and probably heard about it but i really liked this the way that they did the pat died tributes um so not only was uh gus melzon dressed very very similar to what pat (laughs) die um used to wear but also we put the little sticker on the helmet we also had a circle on the field or a couple on the field um i felt like we did that very well what did you overall think about how we uh did a tribute to pat die this season i i think it was pretty cool i think what gus did was just amazing yeah. I, I was thrilled by it somebody needs to show him how to tie a tie i love <laughs> gus but it went down to like his belly button but the concept was fantastic i thought it was awesome he was getting props on twitter even from non-auburn people um, I thought it was real classy. Yeah, and I think the sticker and the thing on and the emblem on the field, I think that's all year long, isn't it, AJ? Yeah, yeah. That should I mean that's yeah. what I've heard. Uh I mean it's kind of from what I hear, it's gonna be more or less like we did last year. Maybe our um kind of what we did last year with uh, Ride for the Brand. It's gonna be play sixty yeah. minutes like Pat Dye. Um he preached to his team. And uh I mean, I think that's a really cool way to to approach this year is to give him I mean, obviously this game with Gus wearing I mean, there were definitely times where I looked down on the field and I thought, even though I never saw a Pat Dye coach, I'm too young for that, but I looked down and I legitimately saw pictures or from the pictures that I've seen, it looked like Pat Dye. And I think that's a really cool yeah. way to say, you know what, he's a great Auburn great coach and I wanna um honor you. 
yeah, that's that was pretty that was pretty cool. Yeah, if you want to uh, actually hear more about it and go into more details, uh, we actually just put out an E two C extra show. Um, Kyle Loomis, Clint Richardson, and uh, Michael Floyd did that, um, so it's on our stream. And uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things here um, that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, one of them, obviously, is Chad Morris. He led. I mean, it looked like almost from the very get go, this was a Chad Morris led offense. Um, do you honestly, uh, think that this is his offense? At least it did to me, or am I kind of leading the witness and saying he is? <laughs> no, I think it was. I mean, I, Chad had a play call sheet over on the side that was, it was the size of a small car over there. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he was definitely, and, and Gus had nothing. I mean, he didn't have, you know, there was the, there was the, uh, conspiracy theory two years ago where Gus would pull a little sheet out of his pocket and he's like, Oh, I was looking at something else. Um, this was, he didn't have anything. Yeah. So there's no way he was calling plays. Um, so I think it was definitely Chad. I mean, there were a few things that I think the quick screens that's been here since Gus has been here. So he, he I'm sure he definitely has influence mm-hmm. during practice, but um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Chad's pretty much Chad's baby. And I, I you know, I think hopefully that, leads to good things yeah yeah i mean what did you think of the the first game was it what you expected i mean we were kind of hyping it up throwing a bunch of tight end passes we're going to be doing this and that you know what did you think now that you've seen one game under chad morris uh you know doing a podcast i should probably be better versed at this i don't know a lot about x's and o's on football the only thing i do know is that they would go back and replay uh, some of the routes, and they said this is absolutely different than what Gus used to do. There was there was multiple levels on crossing routes, uh, multiple options, um, and you know the one the one big takeaway for me was I do feel like, and we talked about this. I think that Bo was a little more gunsling mentality. There were some plays that throws he made back foot fading away mm-hmm. that last year i don't know if he makes those because number one he's a freshman and number two gus is in his ear like don't enter, don't throw picks don't throw picks don't throw picks yeah um well, then, well he made two both still didn't even throw a pick in this game he he didn't but he made two throws yesterday that i that one led to touchdown one was a, a 30 yard uh, gainer to seth and i don't know if he makes those throws last year mm. um so i think the just the relationship between chad and Bo, i guess is the point i'm getting at i think that He's going to be a little more, you know, wide open, let Bo be Bo. Um, on the flip side, uh, it was not all roses. I think we only ran for 91 yards. That that concerns me. We still stalled out a little more than I would like, and that is because the lack of a true, pure running game right now. And um, there's probably reasons for that, and we'll get into that. But that, that was the two things I noticed. Bo being Bo, lack of a true running game still. How about? I mean, what did you take away from it? Yeah, I mean... It- I honestly took that Bo fit really well into this Chad Morris offense. Uh, I think like you, you mentioned, he's confident and will put those 50-50 balls up for his wide receivers. And and you saw it plenty of times. I mean, the two touchdowns Seth Williams had 50-50 balls. And that's something that you, you look at and you're just like, wow, I, I feel like he might not have made that pass last year. Um, and that's not just his confidence level. I think that's the coach is saying, we have confidence in you. You have a great arm. And I honestly think Bo might have – it looks like he's got a stronger arm this year. I mean, some of those throws on his back foot went pretty far. I mean, like you <laughs> don't want 
a quarterback throwing off his back foot all the time. But even when he did, they looked all right. He had enough power behind them. Um, and, and then on top of that, I mean, the run game, I think you, you've got a point. The run game of only having 91 yards. Now, I know some of that was kind of, I think, the miss uh, snaps that were kind of just messed up the plays. And I think there was about negative 15 yards or so for that. So we honestly got about 105 yards rushing, which still isn't great. But I, I'm i hoping that they figure something out. And maybe it was just our game plan against Kentucky, knowing that we have a strategy of passing more and we may not need to run nearly as much. Um, I don't know. Maybe it, We'll probably find that out in the next couple of games if we really move away from uh, running the ball nearly as much to more of a passing game. Um, that's that's something that's yet to be determined. Um, what did you think of uh, guys like, I mean, obviously Seth Williams. I mean, probably the player of the game. Uh, six catches, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I mean, you got a guy that's so talented that goes up for balls and just grabs them, either one-handed, mosses a dude, um, or just jumps 10 feet in the air, snags it out of the air for touchdowns. Um, what did you think of guys like him? And, and how do you see the rest of the, the receivers kind of playing um, when Seth is definitely going to be getting a lot of the attention for this season? Every time Seth makes a catch, I shed a tear because we're not going to have him again next year. So um, that guy's going pro. I mean, he's, he's pro ready right now. He's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's fantastic. And I was, a moron and said Shedrick Jackson would lead the, that was my surprise player. <laughs> he would lead the the team in receiving. And I, I thought he had a connection with Bo and I thought Seth would be double, triple teamed. I think you could quadruple team Seth. It doesn't matter. Um, he's ridiculous. I think that, you know, when Schwartz gets the ball, good things happen. I mean, I'm watching other games. I was talking to my buddies with Schwartz. We need to do crossing routes. I, I do not understand why we don't have, and uh, we need like a five yard crossing route lead him perfectly with the ball and the guy's going to the house. I mean, Absolutely. so fat. did you see yesterday when he had that one catch and he literally turned around and he had no business even getting close to the end zone and almost scored and they probably should have reviewed it. Yeah. I mean, he's just so fast. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him still utilized more. Um, I, uh, capers, I think true freshman mm-hmm. tall dude had a nice catch over the middle. Yeah. would like to see that. So, I mean, I think all in all the, and Eli stove, Grandpa Stove, as, as we call him in our group. I mean, I think he did well. Um, ran a good wheel route there for a touchdown. Beautiful pass by Bo. So all in all, good. I will tell you the one thing that scares me, especially in a COVID pandemic where any player could get it at any moment, it scares me a bit that we are so reliant on Seth. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see branching out more as the season goes on. Yeah. Well, now was what, even, about, what about you? I'm even thinking last year, I don't know if you remember – but Seth, a couple games, was a little banged up, so we'd have to go to a couple other guys. And you definitely saw a drop-off. And I'm really hoping they don't um, – Chad doesn't put all of his eggs in the Seth Williams basket of this is our, our lead receiver, we're going to game plan around him. I mean, when you do have him, obviously play him. Use use him, but you need other guys to come up. And, and I'm glad to see guys like Xavier Capers uh, to step up a little bit as a freshman and come in there and play um, and get some some good time. But I want to see more guys, um, and maybe that's kind of the 
the wish that I want out of this is to see not just these these guys that we're used to seeing catching the ball like Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, Seth Williams, but see the next level guys get more catches and be consistent. Um, and, and when that happens, I mean, Bo can just go wild and throw and Chad Morris, his playbook is opened up even more at that level. Do you have any idea why we don't, like, what am I missing about why we would not run when you watch when you watch Jalen Waddle and you watch the LSU guys from last year, why would we not run a quick crossing route for um Schwartz? Um, like I feel like all his stuff's outside. It's like a curl route, mm-hmm. maybe a quick screen. I don't know that we've ever run I think we, we did have. it against Alabama the first play and he got hurt. But I'm um, I'm pretty sure we have done it before. My my what I don't know, my gut feeling is he looks super comfortable outside the hashes. And I'm I'm wondering if it's a comfortability thing. Um, like he he seems to know what to do on the sideline. I mean, he knows how to take a little jab step and then get I don't know his own position. Um, I don't know. I mean, other than it's just comfortable, more from being outside. Yeah, and I'm no coach. I just, I see you know Waddle will take a five yard slant right mm-hmm. to the house because he's so fast. Yeah. And I'm like Schwartz could absolutely do that, and that would open up. I mean, and that fake screen. And then going deep to somebody who's going to come. I mean, they, you gotta they think talked so. about it in the game. We were screen, 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 and you're like, he's going to pump that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe next week. We'll see. Yeah, you got to think that that draws in uh, the DBN, and then you just go deep on them. Yep. Um, what did you think? So we were talking about the wide receivers a little bit, but uh, tight end usage. I think we only had really one catch and then one for the point after attempt. Um, from a tight end, John Samuel Schenker. Uh, but what did you, that seemed kind of low to me. Maybe I was just expecting more out of the tight ends with Chad Morris. What What's your kind of read on the tight ends at this point? Yeah, I mean, I probably was a little lower on that actually happening. I, 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 we get that talk out of camp every year, and I know we have a different coordinator, and it might lead to that. Listen, the first half, we didn't have the ball. I mean, they mm-hmm. had it 22 minutes. We had it nine or something. Yeah. I mean, it was I, – I, I, do the math sorry but i mean they had the ball most of the first half so that took a lot away and then in the second half we had a lot of short field so we probably didn't see a good portion of the playbook if you want to be honest um it might have led to more tight end play if we had more plays i didn't even see our total plays but it probably was not a lot yeah so at least well time of possession (laughs) alone i think even by the end of it kentucky's still led by a good bet and that yeah I mean, when you don't have as many plays that you're you're running, and in most scenarios, it seemed like Auburn got a shorter field anyway, so it really didn't matter. Um, and you don't have to run as many plays. You don't have as much time of possession. You don't have to do that 80-yard drive down the field that soaks right. up the clock. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about, and I think this is probably the one of the bigger discussions on offense, is this offensive line. Uh Apparently, Gus had pretty much said, hey, these these guys that we started haven't really even played that much. Like, they've been shifting around guys. So this this group of guys may have only legitimately had a week or two of practice together um, in all fall camp before stepping out and playing Kentucky. Uh, and at times, I think there was, uh, all right, pass protection. And then sometimes I was thinking, Bo can't even scramble out like I feel like he used to last last year. Uh, and get away from the pressure. Uh, what did you think of this O-line? And where do you think they're at 
And did you see any progression and improvement throughout the game? Uh, no. I, I, well, I, first off, I'm, I'm about to say good things about them, but I felt like they were pretty on par with last year. I feel like they did uh, maybe slightly above average pass protection and probably below average run blocking, and that was last year. But here's the positive to me, what you just said. I don't think these guys have had maybe two weeks max of being together, gelling. So for them to already be where that the line was last year with veteran guys, pretty promising in my opinion. Um, you know, I think there were a few times, I mean, Jordan Rogers, uh, he made a boneheaded statement about Kentucky being in field goal position on their own 30. So I don't know how far we should trust him, but he made some good points. Bo does need to learn to sometimes step up in the pocket and trust the line a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll come, you know, there were times he bailed out too quick and there was nowhere to bail, but if he stepped up, they had built that pocket for him. Yeah. Um, so I don't always blame that on the line. I thought the line did, they did obviously did well enough to win. I thought they did pretty good pass blocking. We still can't get pushed on, on the run though. So that's my take on it. What do you think? No, I I was kind of thinking more or less the same. Like there, there were times where we, I mean, obviously, um, I don't know if you saw, but according to what is it? Uh, the pro football focus, they put out their stats of uh, best quarterbacks and just the stats uh, behind them. And Bo was at the top of passes um, and their passer rating past 10 yards. Um, yep. And to we're think, talking ahead of Mac Jones and we're talking ahead of uh, Trask at Florida. Like that's like he was tops of everybody. Yeah. And to think, I mean, that obviously you have to have some level of a good offensive line to have pass routes developed 10 yards down the field. So at least they weren't bad. Yeah. The line was not bad. Yeah. But they weren't great. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think a good example of this is most of the time we did get the passes off. There was a couple of times where I was thinking, wow, uh, he can't even get out of the pocket to scramble or anything. Um, and then there was even a couple of times where the center just had a bad snap. And then we that muffed. was a problem. Yeah. I will say that was a problem. And, uh, and that's definitely got to get fixed. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, overall, I'd I'd still give him a pretty good grade. I mean, if I was going to grade him, I'd say probably C plus, B minus kind of range. Um, not great, but also not terrible at the same time. Um, I didn't see any like blatant things besides the center just not snapping super well. <laughs> if we if college football wasn't all of our lives, like we live and die by this, I would say the line was pretty good. But when you and I know what's around the corner, we're going to Athens and we're going to have Alabama, we're going to have LSU, we're going to have Miss- Mississippi State now. Mm-hmm. B minus ain't going to cut it. Yeah. Um, not to get what we think we can get. B minus might get you seven wins. Yeah. Um, but if we want eight or nine, they're going to have to be better. However, they don't have a lot of experience either. So, yeah. You know, there's some positives to take away from that. Exactly. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, 
eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Um, let's shift a little bit to defense. So I think overall, this was definitely a Kevin Still defense. Uh, last year, the year before that, and the year before that, Kevin Steele is a mastermind of figuring out what the offense is doing and then making the adjustments. And this was a perfect example of that. First half, Kentucky was just running. It felt like over us every play. Um, Though they only averaged, if you look at it, 4.8 yards per carry, which I was thinking, that seemed a little low. I felt like it was maybe higher than that. But if you look at the second half, they only averaged 1.7 yards per carry. So, 3.1 yards less per carry. That's what you want to look at, um, at stopping a a team. And it was very evident. Kentucky was not able to run and they were forced to pass. And a couple of those, uh, well, one of those turned up into being an interception and then the others were just fumbles. Um, but I mean, our, our defense, they call us turnovers, three of them. Um, and that's something I feel like, uh, we've been really craving, is just consistent turnover causing, and we got it. We made it happen, um, and we recovered them. Um, Jared, what did you think of our defense um, and and what they did against Kentucky? I was pleased all in all. I mean, the, there's the the two things that keep Steele's defense from literally being probably top two in the country every year. Or one, we've we've developed a habit of giving up a big play or two every game now. Um, and then we pretty much shut them down the rest of the game. So if we can figure out how to not give up the big play, yeah. and it does take until halftime a lot of times to to correct things, but man, does he, he does a fantastic job. So if we can get to half, he does a great job. You know, we gave up the, you know, big run to their running back smoke, um, and then we pretty much shut them down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, last year in the Georgia game, we gave up a huge pass to Fromm. I mean, it was like, shut him down, shut him down, boom, huge pass. Um, that, that really was the difference in that game. Um, and it felt like several times last year. So all in all though, Kevin Steele does a, I mean, I love the guy. We had a lot of new faces on defense and they were pushing us around in the first half a little bit. And that did not happen in the second half. No. So his adjustments worked. And some of that was definitely, I mean, some of the players even said, I think it was Jordan Peters who said after the game on third down, Kentucky was throwing some interesting looks and doing some things that they just hadn't seen on film yet. And that was throwing Auburn's defense off. Um, At at times I think in the, yeah, first half, uh, Kentucky was eight of tw- uh, eight of ten third down conversions. That's a really it's incredible. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know of any other. I mean, there there probably are other teams out there that have that good of third down conversions, um, but that's usually not a good sign. <laughs> and to think somehow by the end of the first half we were still winning. <laughs> I don't know. That's how. The, that's <laughs> the key. That that's the key. So 
with Kevin Steele's defense, there are times the numbers are not great. Like if you go down the list, you're like, ooh, you don't really want that number to be that. But then you right. look at the scoreboard, and they are so opportunistic, man. When they need it, they get it. Yeah. And it's so funny, though. Like yesterday when we finally got some breathing room in the second half, we go down and score. They immediately gave up a touchdown again. And you're like, oh, right. no. It's almost like they have to have their back against the wall. Yeah. Um, to to play well and and um, but yeah I, I you know nothing against the defense at all new faces and then we lost you know we lost Hall because of the I'm not even gonna call it what they called it because it wasn't um, right before half we lost him for that Big Cat was hurt um, Marco Damio was hurt I mean there's yeah so the, to do what they did pretty oh um, this is what I was gonna say and then I'll I'll, I'll move on so Gene Chizik on the SEC Network I mean they were talking to him he said listen guys. All we talked about was how L- or Kentucky was going to dominate offensive and defensive line, and they should have because of what they brought back, and they did not. Mm. And he said that was very promising for Auburn. Yeah, well, you're thinking Marlon Davis and Derek Brown, Nick Coe, no longer here, and we we essentially are making do. And it's not that Kentucky's offensive line was crap. They were actually no. very good. Like, you look at their numbers of rushing last year – because they essentially had to run a running offense last year um, with their wide receiver converted to quarterback. And they were really good. Like, this is not a, a just a little, you know, well, that- freshman, sophomore kind of offensive line. These are guys that have been here a while and have played well together. Well, that's what Chiswick will say. And, I mean, they are every – listen – there were many, many people, probably equally the amount of people picking Auburn that were picking Kentucky, and it was because that their line was supposed to dominate our line, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good coaching. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's coaching, getting your guys set up, and I think that also has to do with guys like KJ Britt, who who's essentially the quarterback of the defense, and he's getting guys where they need to. Um, and you can see it. I mean, KJ had he led the team in tackles this week with eleven. He had eleven, didn't he? Yeah, um, five solo tackles and a tackle for loss. I mean, that's just a a start for him. I mean, I think in the off season he was uh, interviewed, and I think he he was pretty much saying, "I have a year under the system. I can essentially just I know the system. I can essentially just react and know what to do." And it was very obvious. Yeah. There are times where he read what was happening got to the hole plugged it hit the guy and you're just thinking this is great this is this is what you want out of your your lead linebacker that's gonna lead your team yep i was pleased um let's also talk about some secondary because i think secondary was another question mark for us um obviously defensive line losing some big guys linebackers i don't think we had too much question with but the secondary we we were kind of just like all right we know roger mccurry and we know Christian Tut. Other than that, we don't really know what to expect. Um, and, and we had guys like Jalen Simpson. He's a new guy. Um, step up and essentially play like a veteran. I mean, there there was times where I looked at him and I was thinking, "What? This guy is a new <laughs> guy. He's he's been in Kevin Steele's system how long? He's only been here essentially since the fall uh, fall practice." And he's already playing like a guy that's been here for a couple of years, like a Noah Ibgenogany kind of style, just ready to play physical, hard football. Um, and in previous years, uh, Ben King and I have done a, a watch. And, and this year, I'm, I'm going to be watching Jalen Simpson. Um, and he's going to be my guy every game 
um, just keeping an eye on him because I think he's going to be a standout on this Auburn secondary. He, you're going to have the Jalen Simpson cam. You're going to have a camera on him specifically him. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I need to call ESPN and make that happen. Hey, give me a camera on it. Give me one of those 4k cameras on it. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely going to be watching him. Um, was there any? Were there any other guys that stood out to you on defense? Man, I I just I get I just amazed with Tut every time. Honestly, I mean every play, every breakup, every he was on all of them. I was very pleased with Tut. Smoke Monday played well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all in all, I think uh, I can't remember the other guy on the SEC network. You can tell I watched the night recap. Uh, this guy played for Alabama. I don't remember his name. He he was very – he said, hey, guys, they replaced a lot in the secondary, and Kentucky could not get separation. They were smothered every pass play. You know, if you go back and think about it, really the big plays that came from them besides the big run was they would slip like a tight end or somebody out in the flat, yeah. and we just misread it, yeah. and that was their big gainers, chunk yard plays. They didn't have a lot of, like, standard beat Auburn – like where they beat an Auburn guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Their plays were usually we misread or, or – whatever so i think secondary could be a strength and i don't think we necessarily thought that coming in with everything we were replacing yeah definitely Um, i was very pleased yeah and then not to mention i'm gonna call it a pick six but of roger mccreary like that is a freaking pick six and i'm gonna die on that hill and the reason i i I say it should have stood and many of auburn fans have said oh that's not targeting i agree the way he came in, initially, I could see where they were like, oh, he's defenseless. No, he's freaking running after your guy. Yeah. And yeah. you're you're thinking, I don't want him to tackle my guy running down the field. What do you do? You get in front of the guy. That's exactly what he did. And the thing that I they kept saying, oh, he's defenseless. He's defenseless. No, he was not defenseless. He, If you look at him, the guy that got targeting, so Derek Hall hit him. He turned his head to look at Derek Hall. He knew where he was coming from. That is not defenseless. That means you know the guy's coming, you're looking at him. That's not defenseless. End of story. That should not have been uh, the the targeting. That is designed for those typical plays where you have somebody running right across the field or left they're running lateral yeah and they're looking at the player and so they're not looking over to they're not looking the direction they're running yeah and that is very dangerous this guy everybody on the field was literally looking in the same direction exactly. he was headed straight he was looking the way he was running mm-hmm. he looks over at the auburn player that is not defenseless no if that's the case now if they want to say helmet to helmet i don't know they never zoomed in close enough but they they were saying they claimed defenseless. He was not. No. He was looking right at, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Right. I. What happened was, and you and I, they can't find us because we don't make any money. Um, It was a makeup call. Let's call it what yeah. it was. Essentially and, it was. And that's, and that's terrible because, um, listen, if, if, if you screwed up the other call, I get it. But they literally made this up. They didn't even throw the flag on the field. None. If if McQuarrie didn't come anywhere near out of bounds, they probably yeah. don't even call this because they wouldn't have been reviewing it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we need to review it. I mean, I get it. you review every touchdown. But then they're like, oh, but we need to make up for this because we couldn't find a good angle showing that Kentucky actually got in the end zone. So, sorry, we're going to call this one back on Auburn. And in the end, like, I am I think it motivated the team either way. I think it, I think it did too. Um, I mean, it, either way, if we score the pick six and they give us points, it gets us super excited. We're going to the second half. We're super excited. This... 
we were pissed off. Um, the whole team, Gus, obviously in that post, I mean, that, that was about as pissed off as I've ever seen Gus Malzahn after a game. Kind of reminded me of Saban when he gets pissed off, and I kind of liked it. Um, yeah. Because it shows passion and love for your team. And then even, okay, so here's another thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but we took a knee right before half, and we're just like seven seconds left, whatever. And Bo goes out there, takes a knee. He literally chunks it right at the yep. ref, pissed off. And I, he immediately ran into the, to the locker room. And I, I feel like that was the whole team's mentality. And I'm, I'm sure it was the coaches too, um, based on how Gus, his presser went at half. So I think it worked out, but it still is a sucky thing because now McCreary doesn't get a pick six. He gets an interception with a 30-yard return when he should have had a 100-yard pick six. Well, and here, so here's the – if you want to really make it the bad part of it, if it was a makeup call, when you call that type of play, forget the taking the six points off the board. You took away a kid being able to play for the second half. Yeah. So um, you don't – look, you don't make a makeup call like that. You don't take a kid mm-hmm. out of the game for something like that and, and, unless it's legit. I'll be honest with you. I'm a Auburn fan. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I try to be like there. I've watched games where Georgia got called for stuff and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't targeting. Yeah. And I don't like Georgia. So I try to be realistic about that. If Kentucky would have been called for that same play, I would have said that's not targeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I mean, I really think I would have felt that way. Like, I'm not trying to be biased here. It was a bad call and it I've took seen... a kid out of the second half. And luckily it didn't matter. But um, yeah, just for that kid, that's the wrong thing. To, that's the wrong way to do a makeup call. Absolutely, and I mean you're you're hurting him for the second half. Thankfully, he gets to come back for this Georgia game. But think, I, I was thinking if if this had happened the very first play of the third quarter, Derek Hall would have been out for the rest of the yeah. game, and then and not Kentucky, able to play the first half of the Georgia game. First half of Georgia. Yep. That just sucks. Like. Yep. I I feel like that that rule itself needs to be changed somehow, it, it some a, way. It's a bad rule. I, I'm all for player safety. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I probably won't even let my kids play because of that. But it's just there's no room for not being ignorant. Yeah. And when somebody's ignorant, it really hurts the team and the player. And there needs to be some some grown up in the room that says, um, "All right, even if we want to throw a flag here, that guy doesn't need to be ejected." Mm-hmm. I mean, there needs to be. I don't know, man. It's. I've seen some. I've seen it not work more than I've seen it be correct. Let's put it that way. Over the past five years. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And I, I'm all about player safety. Don't get me wrong. I am. That too. was not an a, a question of player safety. What happened with Derek Hall and the Kentucky guy? The guy. He's he's just trying to block him. That's it. There was. He's no... literally running and looking right. Everybody's running in the same direction. He is not um, defenseless. No. He's not defenseless. Like I, and. Maybe somebody else understands the rule a little better and, and probably shaking their head right now listening to this. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'll, I'll, I stand by that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, either way, I mean, I think it did motivate our guys in the second half and put a fire under them defensively and offensively to come out and just do what we were probably really trying to do in the first half, but just executing and doing it better in the second half. Um, and. And I think ultimately that play itself kind of shifted. I mean, not only that, but I mean, there were other plays like just Seth Williams manhandling guys. I mean, those plays changed the momentum of this game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Let's finish out with a couple of little things about special teams. Um, 
first off, swinging gate. It actually worked. <laughs> what the heck? Um, Gus Malzahn is a genius, and I'm kind of being serious, but also kind of being sarcastic because we've lined yeah. up so many times and it's never worked. But yeah. it worked, and we did it. Um, and uh, I mean, what did you think? I mean, did, did it shock? I mean, like I, I think I looked down and I didn't even see it originally. <laughs> I did not. I didn't see it. I was texting people. Woohoo! War yeah. Eagle. Yep. I look up and I'm like eight to seven. What? Right. <laughs> that's terrible isn't it yeah yeah i mean i saw it afterwards they did a replay but you you, the emotion's not the same when you know it's already you already got it exactly i'm watching it as i know we as though i know what already happened but um yeah i mean it's i don't know that i do it but i think gus did that in the oregon game did he not i think we went for two in that game i could be wrong i think we Um, did i can't remember if we were successful though or not i don't remember either but i i i want to say we might have been but I don't know. Uh, apparently, it's go f- go for two in the first game, uh, but it worked. When it works, they're geniuses. When it doesn't, they're not. Yeah. Um, it did. It did help because you know later in the game, Kentucky scored and they tried to go for two and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So now we're up. You know, now we we remained up two. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it paid off in the end, which is nice. Um, Another kind of interesting thing with special teams, and I think this will be a good development to keep watching, is kickoff return game. So we had Shivers run. He got a 34-yard return. It's great. And then we also had somebody. I was looking out. I saw a number four running, and I was thinking, no, Big Nogany? And I was like, no, he's not on the team anymore. (laughs) Uh, Tank Bigsby, number four, uh, had a 30-yard return. And Tank literally tanked a guy. Sorry. Bad yes, pun. he did. Bad pun. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, trucked a guy. <laughs> he did. He trucked him. He tanked him. He did whatever. He knocked the dude over, and yeah, he was very happy about it too. Uh, he got up excited. Yeah, and, and that's exciting to see. I mean, I, I'm. I just want to see one of those get broken, and I think both of those guys have the capability to get up to speed and run over somebody if needed, juke them out also if needed and get to the end zone. And that'll be something fun to watch this, this next year. Um, another couple of things just uh, with uh, the special teams, we've got punter. The The punting battle is obviously still going on. Aiden got a punt, but we even got a couple punts in there, little poochies. <laughs> um, and uh, Oscar Chapman got a couple as well. Um, so it's obviously still up. I mean, we have three punters, so why not, why not use three punchers? I mean, I'm not going to stop mm-hmm. them. I mean, if mm-hmm. Bo can punt it, and be inside the 10 twice in a row. I'm cool with that. If Aiden can punt it 40 plus and Oscar can punt it 40 plus, why not just use them all? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> do it until ba- the, the the rule will be changed by the iron bowl. So just do it while you can. Right. I mean, he's going to say you can't have both quarterbacks can punt. Yeah. And Aiden Marshall or Oscar Chapman, or maybe all three at the same time. I mean, for goodness sake, let's do it. Let's, yeah. Let's, that would make Saban's head explode. Yeah. We get angry Saban again, and it'll be fantastic. Yep. Um, and then uh, last thing, wanted to talk about the fake punt that Auburn sniffed out. Um, so Max Duffy, I mean, overall, I mean, he had what a freaking eighty-yard punt or something crazy. Yes. Can um, I talk about that real quick? Sure. Okay. So I'm not a special teams coach, and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but <laughs> we had them. We did such a great job. We pinned them deep. They were on their own five-yard line. I think we, we were in the end kick- zone even. Yeah, they were in the end zone with him catching it. Yeah, yeah. We know what kind of kicker he is. I do not understand why we did not have Tut further back. Right. Like, we literally nullified our entire 
plan mm-hmm. to get good field position because we didn't have him far enough back. And I and think so he was he at like it. the fifty or something, which in most it, punters you're you're good yeah. there, but not this guy. Yeah, not this guy. I think that's the thing. Like I'm like, all right, we all know that this guy. He won whatever the award is for the punters. He won that last uh, year. Ray I think. Guy I award, mean, I think. Yeah, and listen, I'm nitpicking here, but when that happened, I'm thinking, just keep it in front of you. Like, don't let it get over your head where it can roll, because we went from them punting from their end zone to us starting on our own 25. Yeah. So, and um, kudos to that kid, because he's a heck of a punter. That was insane. But I'm glad we sniffed out the punt. I mean, that was another yeah. one of those plays where I was like, why they have like nine minutes left or something. Why not just punt it away, play defense? and get the ball back but obviously that it wasn't a max duffy said and and i heard some speculation that that wasn't the design play it was max duffy i know he's given a little bit of leeway of whether he can punt it or run with it because he is the aussie kind of style puncher um if he wants to he can but it was so slow developing and our guys just they were not let's fooled. just say he was given the free freedom i doubt he is anymore that's right that might be the last time you see him do that right i mean and this year especially when you got four and five star athletes probably running at you good luck trying to outrun them punter you're, you're not gonna do it yeah if i had four or five star athletes i'm gonna punt it even if i'm a receiver <laughs> like, get away from me i'm just gonna punt this thing right um jared any other final thoughts about this uh kentucky game and getting our first win no, I mean, I think, listen, there's going to be people. Could we have been better? We could have been better. Could we have been worse? Absolutely. I mean, you look at other teams around the, the country. So, <clears throat> all in all, we, we may have very well played the best opponent yesterday. Well, probably Mississippi State. But we may have played the second best opponent yesterday for a, a highly ranked team. And we won the ball game by 16. So, yeah. Um, maybe the only other one great... I can think of is Florida. But. I mean that that's pretty much it. Like yeah, but I mean I think you know Kentucky was ranked. At, they do have a very solid mm-hmm. team and you know at the end of the day um, it was a very crazy off season and there is no preseason. Mm-hmm. And we opened up with a very quality team and um, and we won. So I'm I'm okay with that. Hey, we got our one of our top 25 matchups. We got a W next to it. There you go. And first game of the season. I mean, I'll, I'll take it any day. Uh, Absolutely. And we're moving on to Georgia. And uh, come back a little bit later. We'll be doing our preview of Georgia a little later in the week. Uh, Jared, before we get out of here, do you want to give them your social media so they can stay in contact with you? Yes, sir. Just find me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm just under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?